welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you here with us. If you're able, please stand as we get ready to worship our King together this morning. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
can do will separate us from the love of the Father. Amen. tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own And when brokenness and pain are all I know oh, I won't be shaking And I won't be shaking And my feet doesn't stay chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love oh change no longer has a place to Stand in your love and my fear 
didn't stand a chance when I stand in your love.
come to Jesus just as you are. Who's thankful for that? How many know you're not perfect? How many know that I'm not perfect? Double amen. But I'm thankful for Jesus. That in spite of my shortcomings, in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of how many times I've tripped and I've fallen, in spite of the things that I struggle with, in spite of the unwise decisions that I've made, he still stands there with, with, with open arms and calls you to him. You know what I love about God? God is the God who runs after us. You remember the prodigal son? And it's obviously a, a parable about somebody who has been lost in relationship to the father. Remember when he was coming back down the road and the father saw him? What did the father do? The father ran. God is the God who runs after those who just turn their eyes towards him. I want to encourage you today. I have no idea what's going on right here in each one of your lives. I know what's going on in me. I don't know about you, but what I do know is this. No matter how much junk is in the way between you and him, all you got to do is turn your eyes towards him, and he'll grab you just as you are. He'll start to deal with all that junk that you got between him and him and you. And, and the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God will wipe it all clean and bring you right back close into him just as you know you need to be. Amen? So, so how about this? Let's just, let's just come to Jesus just as we are right now. And, and I, I, listen, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what's been going on, but I do know that a God who loves and a God who is full of mercy is ready to grab hold of you. How many of you believe that? 
let's do that this morning. Lord Jesus, we come to you. Put yourself right into the Father's arms. He's, he's running to you. He's, he's getting close to jump up to him and let him be God in your life. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Cleanse us, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us in our weakness. Lord, Lord, let us know that no matter what has been going on, you're always putting new life in front of us if we choose it. Father, once again today, receive us. Just as we are. We want to be your people. We want to grow in you and be like you. Help us. In Jesus' name. Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name. I feel the Lord just, just speaking today that there, there's some of you that you've been resisting the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. That you've been resisting to the place that the still small voice is being shoved out of your life. But God is calling out to you once again right now to hear him. To listen to him. To do the bidding of his spirit that is calling you and beckoning you and, and, and constantly reaching out to you to simply come home, to simply be in the Father's love, calling you that you can come just as you are and he will change you, he will help you, he will bring abundant life. But listen to the Spirit. We thank you for that, Jesus. That you are love. Unending, abounding love. Constantly calling us to you. If you have sin in your life, if you've been off track, I encourage you to just repent before him right now. The Bible said he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, calling us back into who he is. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me for my distractions. Forgive me for wanting to do it my way. I commit to you, Lord, to walk with you, to be with you. That on a daily basis, Lord, that I would pick up my cross. I would deny myself and to simply follow you. And in doing that, Lord, I'm trading my life, my lost and broken and sinful life, I'm trading it for your life, new life, new creation. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. I want, I want to wait on him just for a minute. So each one of us has an opportunity in his presence this morning to hear clearly from him. So just listen in your, in your heart for a moment. 
Oh, Jesus. Do you know that, do you know that, that my wife and I, we love you guys? And, and we believe in each one of you. And I pray for each one of you every day. And I believe that God is able. If you simply just keep going, you simply just keep going. God is able. And I believe in you, and I believe that. There is nobody in this room that is not in the place where you can make it. Amen. Every single one of you can make it. I believe that with all my heart. I wouldn't do this. If I didn't believe that, I'm just wasting my time. Wasting my time on myself and everybody else. But I believe in God, therefore I believe in you. I believe God can do everything he has said about you. I believe that. So let's keep going. Come, come as you are. You find yourself in a mess, okay, you know what? You're in a mess. <laughs> but that shouldn't stop you from coming to God. You find yourself in a struggle, okay, you're in a struggle. That doesn't stop you and should not stop you from coming to God. You find yourself in sin. You're in, you feel shame. Okay? You, you found yourself in sin. Repent. Don't, don't let that stop you from coming to God. In all the situations you find yourself in, come to him. He's waiting for you. To pick you up. As I tell you, sometimes he drags you. So sometimes he grabs your arm and walks. Whatever he's got to do, our God will do it. Amen. I just want you to raise your hands up and just tell him how much you love him. Lord, we love you today. We love you today, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. Thank you for being you. 
thank you for being who you are. For loving us as we are. And calling us to a place, taking us somewhere. Not leaving us as we are, but taking us somewhere. We thank you for that life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
exactly what you need. Amen. He is always good, always will provide.
Hallelujah. I just encourage you, if you need a miracle, we know the one we need to call on. Amen. His name is Jesus. Well, we're so glad to have you here with us this morning. If you're new, we want to get to know you. There's a get to know you card right in front. If you would fill that out, we'd greatly appreciate it. Kids, you're dismissed. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you today. On the time change Sunday, how many actually hate the time change deal? Anybody? Yeah. Well, you guys survived it. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here and made it. For those of you that uh, forgot to change your clocks or you didn't get up in your live stream, we'll see you next Sunday. Hopefully you make it back next week, but we're glad you are here. And... Uh, but it is a good Sunday to be in church and to be with uh, those who call on the name of the Lord. Amen. But I'm glad you're here. Uh, tithe and offering, if you have uh, something prepped to give, I know they're, they're checking in the kids, kids' church, so we'll kind of give them a second about that. Um, but I simply believe that God is my provider. And I simply just, I hold on to that in every area of my life. Finances, physical well-being, uh, wisdom and how to, how to deal with life. Every area of life, I believe God is my provider. Amen. And what we do in worship and what we do in our giving is simply a response to, to who God is and, and all the incredible things that he is constantly doing for us. And I believe, by the way, <clears throat> that God is always working on my behalf even when I don't see it. Let me believe that. That God is, God is always up to something. We don't always discern it necessarily. We don't always grab it. Sometimes not till after, till later. And you look back on life, you go, oh, well, that was God and, and God, that, God was there and, and God worked this. And, God, and, you know, hindsight 2020 is great in a relationship with God, but what it means is that where I stand today 
I trust him. Not only because of what the scriptures say about him, but the past testimony of my life. How many of you could tell stories about the great things that God has done for you in your past? Anybody? Well, then you trust him today. And that, that caused you to trust him even when you may not see how he's working right now. Amen? And it goes for our finances. That God is my provider. He was always working in front of me because God's provision is always before me. Amen? All right, let me pray over that. If you have something to give, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to give today as part of our worship. We believe in you and we trust in you. And in that, Lord, that, that you're providing for us in all areas of our life and as our tithe and our offerings come in today, Lord, we've just taken a step of faith to know that a connection to you and our, our worship and a connection to you in response to who you are is a way of life. And we thank you for your provision. All the times that, that things came through and we thought, how in the world is this going to work? That you are the one who's does the impossible and we thank you for being ever present in our life in that manner in Jesus name amen 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 so if you have something you may bring it forward and as you're doing that I got like a zillion announcements so roll with me for a minute all right first off nursing home visit with Vinny and the crew sunshine nursing home ministry is Saturday uh, the 19th at Bancrest at 10 a.m. And that's, what's today? Today's 13th. So that's just coming Saturday. So if you have questions about that, see Benny. And they were there just not long ago, and I kept forgetting to update you about that. A wonderful visit just less than a month ago, maybe, about a month ago. They're going back again, and, and it's a wonderful outreach. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, see Benny, and uh, they're heading out to Bancrest Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, let's see. Okay, a lot of things happening Besides that, don't forget, April the 3rd uh, is about one year in this building. Amen. This has been a blessing of God for us. So I had some people asking me about, can we do an after church dinner, kind of commemorating one year in the building? And at the same time, on a Wednesday night, I had some ladies bugging me about doing a chili cook-off. Okay? So I thought, well, let's just jam it all together. And so on April the 3rd, we're having an after church carry-in that doubles at a chili chili cook-off. So how many of y'all consider yourself pretty decent at making your chili? Let's see. Any, okay, so if you want to participate in the contest, we'll have a prize or whatever. See Mike or, or, or let uh, Tish know too, and that way we know who's participating. But other than that, just bring some food in. We're going to hang out and just enjoy each other that day. So April the 3rd after church, we'll provide water and everything, but you guys bring the food. Um, the 27th, which is the Sunday before that, <clears throat> Joy Fellowship's happening at 5 o'clock. And also that same day, uh, the youth are doing a, a, a roller skating outing. Josh has details on that. He's not here today, but when he's back, if you have questions, that's for the, the youth, 5th to 12th grade. So see Josh on details about that. Um, April the 6th, we have a guest speaker, Chris D'Amico, is going to be with us. And, and Chris... Uh, brings the word and he's very ministry oriented. I, I, I'm going to guess he'll pray and minister to everybody that's here that night. It will be a longer Wednesday service uh, based on generally how we have a Wednesday service. It'll be longer, but you come prepared for that. But he he's just has a, a very strong ministry time. So that's Wednesday, April the 6th. And uh, last but not least, um, 
we started the 40-day uh, Easter reading guide. So Wednesday marked 40 days to Easter, if you didn't know that. So if you didn't pick up one of these uh, scripture reading guides and you want one, I know it started Wednesday, but you can jump in. Raise your hand right now, and Al will get it out to you if you missed one of those. Anybody want one? Wave your hand around. Here comes Sawyer and Al. They'll help you out. Uh, take this home and jump in. It's just a scripture reading every day. And what happens is starting <clears throat> next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it jumps in on the Gospels, on the, the, uh, the trial and the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus leading into Easter. And of course, we have our Good Friday and Easter Sunday services coming, and that's the middle of April. So be on the lookout for that stuff. I, I was wrong. I got one more thing to say, then we'll get into the Word. So on Friday, I had the carpet cleaned and the stage cleaned. Now, how many know I love you all? Okay. So when I moved the chairs, it looked like a, a, a battle between coffee and the carpet. It was like a war zone. So just help me out a little bit, all right? So if we're, we're bringing our coffee in here, let's uh, just kind of watch ourselves a little bit if we could. Anyways, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, you guys know I love you, right? Yes, okay. All right, good. Get your Bibles out. And... Uh, <clears throat> Go to Matthew chapter 22. We are finishing up our series today on the neighborhood. We've been here for about five weeks. And uh, we're going to close up today, and we're going to start off by where we started at the very beginning of the neighborhood. So Matthew chapter 22. And verse number 34. And this is, this is a, a passage of scripture that I'm sure is, is, if you've been in church any length of time, you are very familiar with. But I think sometimes we become so familiar with things, it becomes cliche to us. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we've got to shake the, the cobweb stuff off of verses like this and, and really see how it is to, to grab hold of our life and how we're to live it. So... You can say you believe in Jesus, but if you are not living in the new life that he's putting in front of you, in other words, applying what he has said, then discipleship is sort of absent from your life. You believe in him, yes, but then he also taught us how to live. It, the work on the cross, you know, forgives us of our sins. It also sets us free from our sins. You are saved from the wrath of sin. But you're also saved to new life. And the basis for the new life that we live is found in the things that Jesus has said. That we learn what it means to live the Jesus way. It's one of the things we say about our church. We're learning to live the Jesus way together. But, but it involves in, in actually seeing what has Jesus said and how do I begin with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit to live this out in my life. So Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 34. When the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. In other words, your entire being. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like, in other words, they go together, hand in hand. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. If you want to live the Jesus way, it starts right here. Then you just not only believe in him, believe that, that he is the son of God, believe that he died on the cross, that you believe that he rose from the dead, but then what does it mean to live in a way that follows him? It starts here. That we learn to grow in our love for God with our entire being, all that we are. And what comes hand in hand with that, then that love that, that we're responding to, we love because he first loved us. We respond to his great love. And then his love starts to get into us and starts teaching us then how to love. We in turn then learn how to love our neighbor as ourself. Learning to live the Jesus way starts here. So over the last five weeks, uh, we've been talking about what does it mean to live in the neighborhood of the creation of God and love those around us in this way. Again, not some, some cliche, well, yeah, I love my neighbor as myself, well, sure. But no, actually living it, applying it, working it out, figuring out what it means to really love those around me. Then we jumped into this thing. Another time, another person tested Jesus after asking the same sort of questions. And, and Jesus responded with a question. And that guy responded like this, love God with everything and love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus said, yes, you're correct. And do that, you'll live. But then testing Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Remember that? He wanted to justify who he had to really love. And we, we often do that, don't we? I know the Bible says a Christian. I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. That's big picture. It becomes so cliche that we then feel we have the right to then kind of sparse, uh, parse that out and say, well, I know it says that, but I'm not sure I really have to love this person or this group of people, right? So in response to that, Jesus doesn't just come straight out with an answer. He tells a parable. It's a parable of the Good Samaritan. And all the, all the things that that parable brings, Jesus says, do this, do this. He said, who is the neighbor? And they responded, well, the Samaritan was. The Samaritan was stopped and, and, and helped the person, even though didn't know who, who it was, didn't know the real situation of their life, didn't know anything about him, but simply in the compassion of loving a neighbor as yourself, stopped to help. And then we, we jumped from there the next weekend to what, what about when my neighbor is my enemy? What do I do then? Am I allowed to look and say, this person's an enemy because of how they're treating me? Am I allowed to say, but Lord, I really don't have to love them because look what they do. Look how they treat me, right? And Jesus, again, no. He said, you heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you that you love your enemy and actually pray for those who persecute you. In other words, in the neighborhood... No matter what you encounter, you are never allowed to say, I don't have to love this person. You're not given any room to do that. 
Because when you grow in your love for God, and his love is being instilled in you, it changes how you see everything. Does God love those who are enemies to him? Absolutely. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, one of the great uh, scriptures that they used when we were leading into Easter. For God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is how God demonstrates his great love. While we were sinners opposed to him, not living for him, certainly not his disciples, Christ died for who? For us. This is the kind of love we must grow in and learn to be as people who call themselves the people of God. Now, here's one thing I know. That in the neighborhood where you live, and again, uh, when we talk about loving your neighbor, it becomes so big picture. We've got to bring it down to practical application. So yes, that means all of human society you're supposed to love. So, so for some reason, some crazy event happened you, after church today. You're walking out to your car, and God grabs you and plops you down in the middle of Brazil. You ought to love those you see right when you're plopped down. Is that correct? And he grabs you and chucks you and plops you down right in the middle of Australia. Right? And you look around. You see some kangaroos. You see whatever. But I'm supposed to love who I see. Right? And he grabs you and drops you down in the middle of all places, Canada. Our great neighbor to the north, right? You're supposed to love who you see. So the big picture is that we are to love people as a human society created by God. But practical is who you work with, right? When you walk out your front door, if you don't live out in the middle of nowhere country, your neighbor to your right, your neighbor to your left, neighbor across the street, caddy corner this way. We love who we see. Last time I brought this up, it, you know, had a few chuckles. You go to a family reunion. Uh-huh. Who's there? Well, I got I to gotta love who shows up. We've got to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves in the most practical applications of our life. If you make it so big picture, you never do anything with it. But practically, the person that I engage myself with in my workplace, I must learn to love them. My neighbor next door, walking across, knocking on the door, enjoying a conversation with them, hopefully, you're going to love them. But what I know about this, in the neighborhood, with your everyday acquaintances, the neighborhood needs to hear the gospel. And part of what it means to learn to love others the way God has loved us is because God ultimately reaches us with the gospel. Now, God can love you, and he does, but if you don't receive the gospel, then are you saved? No. No. Love is the avenue for what God can do for you. See, in the same way, the, the life that you live in your everyday acquaintances and contacts, love is the avenue for the gospel. Now, let me, let me remind you about something we said the very first week of the neighborhood. And we brought this up just for a moment. 
You love people. You learn to love people. You grow in love for people because you have been saved. You see what I mean? And, and put a period on the end of that sentence. You simply love people because you have been saved. Because that's one of the great things you're supposed to do with life. But ultimately, somehow, some way in your love for other people, you're not going to be able to help but tell them about the greatest joy of having life in Jesus. That's the gospel. Now, you don't love people in order so they get saved. You love people because you've been saved, but because you've been saved, at some point you're going to share the gospel. You see what I'm getting at? Because what it does, it removes from you the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. They reject it. Then you think in your mind, now I can stop loving them. They, they, they've rejected it. I'm shaking the dust off my feet. I'm going someplace else with my love. No, no. They can reject the gospel from you a hundred times. You're still supposed to love them. How many times have you resisted God and, and turned off the voice of the Holy Spirit and walked away from it? He keeps loving you, right? Your love for people should be the same way. You love people because you've been saved. But ultimately, in your love, man, the gospel's going to come out. Because you see a need in their life to be reconciled with God, to be freed from sin. Amen? So we're called to be people of the gospel in our neighborhood. Matthew chapter 5. Let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. I think all the scriptures we got today for the most part, if you've been in church for a long time, you're very familiar with this stuff. But let's, let's tread on it once again. Let's, let's continue to make well-worn paths with these things in our hearts. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13 says you, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Do the people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You're called to be salt. You're called to be light. You're called to be a city on a hill. You're called to do good works that brings glory to our Father who is in heaven. See, one thing about salt is salt is a preserver, right? And see, what it, what it means to be salt in this world is that those who belong to Jesus are the preservation of the kingdom of God in this world. Keeping a foothold, kind of in conjunction with the work of God that is happening around us. If we lose that preservation, if we are swayed into losing what marks us out as citizens of his kingdom, and in that kingdom that we proclaim and live the kingdom, we have lost our saltiness and are no good for the preservation of the kingdom. We are no longer part of the subversive work of the kingdom. You are called to be salt. In other words, you are the foothold 
of the kingdom of God in a lost world. You're preserving the work of God in this world till he comes again. You're called to be salt. You're also called to be light. The scriptures, you know, are so full of this light versus darkness. It's a recurring theme in the Christian faith. Remember, it says about Jesus in Isaiah 9, the people in darkness have seen a great light. That light is Jesus. But we, in turn, are to be a light to those around us in the darkness. The kind of light that shines ever brightly in a dark and lost world. It's, it's like a, a city, you know, that city that's set on a hill, whitewashed on the outside. It's reflecting the great sun of the day that, that kind of gleams up there. But also during the night when its fires are lit, it is something that people see and are drawn to. See, that light should shine in such a way that it is never hidden. It can't be hidden. It is to be put on a stand on a stand so that everybody can see. That is the worldwide body of Christ. We should be on a stand for all to see, a light in the darkness as we proclaim and practice the gospel. But the worldwide church is, is made up of who? Each one of us. We all make up the worldwide church. The worldwide church cannot be a stand on a stand as a light to the gospel unless we as individuals put our light shining on a stand for everybody to see. We've been called. Amen. You are salt and you are light, but that salt and light kind of comes together in the things that we do, our deeds. See, the deeds of life are the everyday acts of our life, the things that we do. There are things that come forth from the Christian life that ultimately give praise and glory to God. See, he is even permeating how we treat one another and what we do for one another, how we see one another, our perspective on all things. And when that happens, what we do and how we live changes. Now, those deeds ultimately go hand in hand with the proclamation of the gospel. You can do a lot of good works and not tell anybody about Jesus, and those good works don't last too long, right? But the good works that we do accompany with the proclaiming of the gospel, that is how we are salt and light. So how you treat your neighbor even if your neighbor is your enemy, means something. That's deeds. How you treat your coworker when you're having a bad day means something because that's your deeds. How, how you treat your spouse when you guys are fighting means something because that's your deeds. Right? Every act of our life should be a reflection of the fact that we have been saved and we're learning how to love because God's love is growing in us. And our deeds accompany with the fact that we're saved, then the words of our mouth, they all work together with being salt and light. 
we're to be a beacon of light in the neighborhood. As a matter of fact, the outworking of through the Spirit that's growing in you, the gifts of the Spirit that are, that are endowed upon you, these are part of the deeds. It's your everyday actions. It's the time that God grabs a hold of you and says, hey, do this, and you're responding in obedience to God. All these things work together to us being salt and light. That's what we're called to do in the neighborhood. See, everybody thinks the world is going in an awful and terrible direction. It may be. But the gospel has not stopped. The work of God has not stopped. The subversiveness of the kingdom of God is still going. And regardless of where we are and all this stuff in the world, we have never been told to stop being a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, how much more so should our light be shining in a dark and lost world? We're not called to retreat, bunker in, lock the doors, don't let anybody in. We're actually called to get out of here, open the doors, get out into the world. Amen. 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 Because the neighborhood needs Jesus. I would love to if, if, if uh, in a very symbolic way, if we had like foyers or atrium, whatever you call it, that on Sunday morning we could open the doors to the neighborhood. Very symbolically saying, hey, the door's open, come be with us. Come as you are. That's what the gospel says, right? Come as you are. Jesus is calling you. But see, out when we leave here, and I'd, I'd love to, maybe we'll sometime, I would love to uh, take the verse about uh, taking the gospel to all the world, preaching the gospel to every creature, and taking that verse and just putting it above the door. As a reminder, every time you walk out of there, you see that verse. My job when I leave this church is to take the gospel to the world and be a light in the neighborhood. What good is it to learn to love your enemy if ultimately you don't share the gospel? You see what I mean? Well, what is God trying to do in you when he's teaching you to love your neighbor as yourself? What's the point? So you're just a good person? What part of it? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace all the way down. You understand those are about your character, but ultimately those things are about you. You know that? The fruit of the Spirit always work outward. Gentleness, what's the point of being gentle? Because it's not about you. You see what I mean? So all these things that God is doing in us turn outward to those around us, the neighborhood. And what is God doing in us and through us for them? Now, here, here's something I do know, though. That let's go back before where we just were. Go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 11. <clears throat> right before salt and light. So we started in verse 13. So Matthew chapter 5, verse number 11, right after the Beatitudes. Actually, this is part of them. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account or the account of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, 
for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you realize that when you get out into the neighborhood with your light, there will be persecution? Now, I'm telling you this because I'm, I'm going to have you count the cost. I'm not sugarcoating this stuff. I would love to tell you every time your light shines, everybody's going to go, well, hey, that's great. Pray with me. Well, that's wonderful. I can't wait to go to church with you. You may get the full opposite end of the spectrum. You actually may be persecuted for what you believe. You actually may be reviled, your name drug in the mud, made fun of. Where the light shines in the neighborhood, there also may be persecution in the neighborhood. Notice how Jesus talked about persecution before he went into the whole light business. Kind of sets you up a little bit. It was a trap door. You must count the cost. But great is your reward if you are persecuted. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, blessed are you. I know we think about blessings. Okay, Lord, I need you to bless me. And we think about our bank account and things like this. Blessed are you in what way? Because you're a citizen of the kingdom. You're, you're cementing your place in the kingdom. Some of the greatest people that, that are highly esteemed in the scriptures are the martyrs of the faith. You know that? So, so far was their persecution that they lost their life for it. If you're going to be a light in the neighborhood, you've got to know there may be a negative response to this. But you never know. I could tell you stories, and maybe some of you guys have stories, that, that I've shared the gospel, or, or, or I've talked to somebody about God, or I've asked even, and I've got a, just a... The response was just negative. It was maybe nasty. It wasn't nice. But you never know what was sowed in their heart. You never know. At a, a time of trial, in a tough time, they're in a rock, between a rock and a hard place where that little seed brings a thought. And they may never come back to you, but maybe in that moment they'll cry out to God. And even for those that bring persecution to your life, your witness means something. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. In other words, we're called to be people who proclaim the gospel. We're called to be people who practice the gospel. We proclaim the kingdom of God and we practice the kingdom of God. Where? Everyday life. Every day living in the neighborhood, we're a light some way. You know that? That's what we're called to do. But I'll tell you what, though, it's important to hear this. You cannot be a light to your enemies when you hate your enemies and treat them as such. You can't be a light to somebody if you're cheering on somebody getting theirs. You can't be a light to somebody when you're so worried about achieving success that you unclip your carabiner to get around them and keep on climbing the mountain. If you know what I mean by that, listen to the message from a couple weeks ago. It's hard to be a light to somebody when you categorize them. 
In other words, listen to this. You're going to find it hard living the Jesus way when you're self-absorbed. Amen? You're going to find it hard living the Jesus way when you're self-absorbed. Because the gospel teaches you to love your neighbor as yourself. You know that every time that Jesus in the gospels had compassion on somebody, a miracle followed, but one time. Every time the scriptures say Jesus had compassion, a miracle followed. Why? It's outworking. Compassion is focused on somebody else. The other time he had compassion, whether it was in a miracle, he brought the disciples together. See them, they're scattered. They're lost without a shepherd. Go. The fields are ready. Every time Jesus had compassion, the outworking of the gospel happened. Why? Because we love people. And you can't help being compassionate for them. Amen? So as we close out the neighborhood, I encourage you to pray every single day that the love of God grows in you. God, teach me how to love. Grow love within me. Then see what it will cause you to do, because love always has action. Love has action. Okay? And let's see what he will do, because we simply listen and we obey and shine our light in the neighborhood. You know, I'd love to see. Obviously, there's a handful of chairs open in our church. Wouldn't it be great if light shining in a neighborhood, we saw people that needed disciples and needed to get connected to a body of believers and start showing up to church a little bit with you? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't it be great if the same kind of life that you're finding in Jesus even though it ebbs and flows, even though there's a lot of ups and downs, even though it's not perfect, but you start seeing that kind of life grabbing a hold of people that are around us, people that live next to us in our workplace and our family reunions even and all these places, amen? Sometimes, sometimes all it takes is for you just to open your mouth and just say, let me just tell you the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. His name is Jesus. Can I talk to you about him? It's sometimes that easy. But let your light shine. Don't, don't put it under a bowl and try to hide it somewhere. If you do that, you'll snuff it out. Let your light shine. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not a jerk about the gospel. but I'm not ashamed of them. When I tell people about the gospel, that's when love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control shows up. Amen? But let our light shine. The ushers are going to bring out communion this morning. That's how we're going to close out our service today. <clears throat> Now, during our worship, we spent a moment um, kind of talking about this, but 
I encourage everybody to come and partake of, of communion today with us. If you don't want to, that's okay. No, no pressure to take communion. But as you come today and take it back to your seat, examine your heart. Like we were saying during worship, there's, there's, if there's stuff in between, take an opportunity to, to deal with that before we partake together, okay? But if you'd like to partake of communion today, you, you can please come out to center aisle and kind of filter around that way. You can come and, and grab the elements and go back to your seat. And you can stay standing. We'll, we'll take a bit together when everybody's back. that his body was broken and his blood was shed. <clears throat> and as Jesus is hanging on the cross, you remember the, <clears throat> the great words, it's a, it's a great invitation. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So much of our sin is ignorant. 
we really don't understand what we're doing. But yet the great love of God, he calls us and says, hey, come on. Again, come as you are. And let the work of God be the work of God. Lord, we thank you for your body being broken. Self-sacrifice in our place on that cross. The greatest moment of human history so mankind can be set free. We thank you for that. For being a sinless sacrifice for a sinful and lost people. So today, Lord, we partake of this bread together in remembrance of your body on that cross. Let's partake together. And on the cross, your blood was shed in fulfillment of the mysteries of God. As the scriptures say, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And we thank you, Lord, that your blood has washed away all of our sins. We're right down to the, to the very deep and dark corners of our life where it feels like there could never be light to shine there, your blood reaches it. And you forgive us. And give us a new start. This life of new creation found in you. Lord, we thank you for that. And as we partake of this cup today, we thank you and, and do so in remembrance of the shedding of your blood. Let's partake together. Let's just close out in prayer today, if you would. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to live in you, to live by you, and to live for you. That we take every step by the leading of your spirit. That we live people who live by the work you have done on the cross in our own life, but in how we proclaim it to other people. I pray the love of God is growing in us every single day. That your Lord are teaching us each and every day what it means to love those around us. And help us be a light. Let us be people who proclaim and practice the gospel, the kingdom of God in all the things that we do, for your glory, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, it was good to see you today. Be blessed as you go. We're going to finish up the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. All right, but have a very blessed Sunday. Love people as you go out today.
darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with the freedom in hand. That's where death was arrested and my life began. That's where death was arrested and my Darkness tries to rule over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I 